welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we have a special bonus episode based on a listener suggestion. And this one was for... Double Dare, the classic Nickelodeon game show from the 80s and 90s, which you can find on the Paramount Network, which is hilarious because when we talked about this last time, we sometimes record early. And at that point, I couldn't find it. But Paramount now has stuff from Nickelodeon. So now there's like... 300 episodes of Double Dare. All right. So if I recall correctly, I had looked at it and I like looked on YouTube and I found a few. Mm -hmm. So we weren't going to like, we were just going to watch the ones that were available. Then I found it on Amazon Prime through the Paramount Network. And I was like, oh, we can, we really have our pick. pick, (laughs) Yeah, we could have watched hours and hours and hours of Double Dare. This is a suggestion from Sarah, who said that she loved Double Dare as a kid and that she and her family, unlike Steve and I, she had cable (laughs) as a kid. And um, Sarah is actually my cousin and I have some memories of watching it over at her house on their cable. So she liked it and she wanted us to check it out. Yes, exactly. Well, we will be the judge of that, Sarah. We'll see. (laughs) Let's see what we have to say. Before we do that... Our non-sponsored snack... And this week, it is Sour Sour Patch Patch Kids. I have mixed feelings about this. And I I think I last had a Sour Patch Kid. I was maybe 17, maybe a junior or a senior in high school. And I I don't love sour candy, and I'm worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) So you have yours while I tell our listeners all about Sour Patch Kids. Um, These were created by Frank Gallatoll. And Jarrett International, and they were initially called Mars Men in the early 70s. In the late 70s, the company was purchased by Cadbury and also the Smira Blayton Licorice Company of Sweden, and they formed the Allen Candy Company in Ontario. I don't understand how that works. It's a British company and a Swedish company, and they're like, let's join forces and put a company in Ontario, in Canada. This is like an international candy, I guess. This is Canadian, British, and and Swedish all kind of rolled into one. At any rate, they became more popular in the 1980s because in 1985, they rebranded them from Mars Men to Sour Patch Kids. And they think that the name might have been to the popularity of Cabbage Patch Kids at the time. Mm -hmm. So Sour Patch Kids kind of playing off of that. Right. Even though they have no connection. Not at all. And um, my other fun fact about Sour Patch Kids, if you haven't had them before, by the way, before I give my last fun fact, if you haven't had Sour Patch Kids, these are like a gummy candy that has a coating of two types of sugar. So it has invert sugar and then what they call sour sugar, which is basically sugar and citric acid or tartaric acid um, kind of mixed. And so their slogans are sour than sweet or sour sweet gone. <laughs> awesome. And it should taste sour and then become sweeter because the coating melts in your mouth. 
Right? Yep. And then you have the rest of the candy. All right. So I'll talk a little bit about them. You eat your Sour Patch Kids. Oh. So <laughs> I remember Sour Patch Kids as a child because I think the first time I ever had them might have been at the movies because they were one of the snacks you could have. Mm-hmm. Megan's face says that she loves these. Um, it's the pupper. It, it looks like she's. It looks like she just ate a whole handful of lemons. <laughs> yeah, I really liked them as a kid. I remember having them at the movies. We were not a big candy house to begin with. My mom really didn't let us have a lot of candy and sweets. Mm-hmm. We're not a dessert house growing up, and so that's why we have this podcast, by the way, so we can eat all the yeah. candy we weren't allowed to eat as yeah. kids. My mother, my mother was a lot better about like if it was snack time, she would cut up vegetables. And dip or fruit, you know, things that we weren't even allowed to have soda until we were probably mid to late teenagers. Mm. You know, before that, we had like juice, um, you know, either juicy juice, which was like in the cans, the big cans you had to open up. And it was like brown because it was real juice with no fake coloring. Um, Or it was, you remember the juices that you had that were like from concentrate? You had yeah. to plop the oh. frozen thing in and mix them. I hated that. That was usually what we drank a lot of. I hated um, that so much. But Sour Patch Kids were like a special thing, like if I went to the movies or something like that. And so I remember them as kind of a special thing. Yeah, these are like a drive-in theater movie candy. Yes. And I think that's where I first had them as well. My last fun fact before we talk about the taste of them and review them is that I did not know that in 2011... They developed a video game based on Sour Patch Kids. I was not aware of that either. It's called World Gone Sour. And I thought, when I heard that, I was like, like a phone game like you would have for like an advertising purpose. Like Angry Birds? Well, Angry Birds is like a bigger, no, like, I was thinking more like Candy Crush, but themed for Sour Patch Kids. That would be more like an ad than an actual game, right? No, this was made by PlayStation and then also Xbox Live Arcade. Huh. <laughs> like, it was like a legitimate, apparently it was like a legitimate video game based on Sour Patch Kids. I have no idea what the gameplay was like. I couldn't find that out. But um, this was, um, yeah, my fa- I was making that face because the initial pucker is a lot. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you, I don't know. It's not like I wasn't expecting it, but I it, I, I don't eat sour things that often. So it kind of hit. Now, I did have two of them, and I will say I didn't get as much of a pucker from the second, and I enjoyed that one a lot more. How about you? Uh, I This was like a sour little angel dusted my tongue. Oh, okay. Yes. So you <laughs> and it was fruity, and I am a fruit fruit candy person okay so you enjoyed it but we didn't like the gummy worms that we had the other day this is not even the same no it's really not it's so much they're both gummy candy but the type of gummy is totally different these are a lot and then this has that sugary sour coating on yeah the coating which you could get on gummy worms just we didn't have now you can yeah um this is a lot to me it's a lot more like swedish fish but with a great coating on the outside. I enjoyed it more than I thought. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it at all. I would have a couple more. I won't because I don't want to be a greedy Gus. But <laughs> So how many green slime shampoos would you give this? That's so specific. And that'll connect a little <laughs> bit with our discussion. I can't even say I don't know because then I do get slimed. Yeah. Um, out of green slime shampoo, 
I'm going to go with a four. I kind of enjoyed it. I And it was it was kind of delightful. I enjoyed it yeah. more than I thought I would. I'm giving Sour Patch Kids five green slime shampoos. Okay. That's pretty good. Yes. It doesn't get any better. This, to me, it's not as good as the dirt was a couple weeks ago. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, that's, I have great memories of that dirt. <laughs> but um, but it is it is pretty good. So... Four and, and a half green slime shampoos. shampoos. If you <laughs> so four and a half green slime shampoos out of five. If you haven't been with us before, we always pick something random to use as the rating. But it's basically one out of five for the candy or snack, and one out of ten for the show or movie. So now that we've had our snack, oh, we had another reason for doing this show, and this was kind of great timing for Double Dare because we were guests on a podcast trivia show just recently. Yeah, so actually the truth of the matter is that Sarah suggested this to me several months ago, and I held off on it because I'm not sure when our episode on the other podcast is going to come out. Right. Um, But we did just record it. It should come out probably in a couple weeks, and that is called Who Will Save Generation X? The Trivia Game Show with our good friend Zabe. Yeah. And we had... An amazing time on that show. A lot of fun, yeah. Some of the stuff that came up, we had already talked about on this podcast, so it was fun. And a couple of things that he was like, I'm going to fact check you on this. Yeah, yeah, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. But it's a trivia game show. He's come up with tons of fun games. It's all Gen X stuff. So some of the stuff was not things that we'd done on the show. And it really showed what, what things we're good at with trivia and what things we're good at at all. Yeah, the only downfall we had was that we're we're kind of later Gen Xers. We were yeah. kind of at the, we're kind of at the end of Gen X. So some of it it's a little bit it kind of shortened the the scope that we could have. Well, but. and also some of us were not allowed to watch a lot of things yeah. when they were young, and also some of us grew up in households where um our parents controlled the radio because they were like, if you drive the car, you can control the radio. <laughs> like you, you grew up with country music because right. you were in Texas. Yep. So yeah, because of that, it was it was a lot of fun. So I don't want to get too much into it because you guys should just go check it out. Yeah. And I'm sure Megan can probably put a link to it when it does come out. When we- it... Yeah, when it comes out, we're going to link to it. And then also, we're going to do an ad swap with him later on because we do love the show. I listen to it all the time. It's a really, really fun show. And I like to play along in the car. (laughs) When I'm on my way to work, I'm like answering questions about new kids on the block and stuff. It's so much fun. Um, So yeah, that's coming up. But let's get into Double Dare. Can you give people a summary of what Double Dare is? Yes. uh, Double Dare is a kid's game show they aired on nickelodeon starting in 1986 we're going to talk about reception and popularity and things a little bit later but basically it was broken into uh two main huge sections right the first was a trivia section mm-hmm. where two teams of two kids apiece normal and it's i seem i believe it was always a boy and a girl right yeah i think so um where they would compete head to head on trivia questions um, trying to rack up as many points as they could. And if they didn't know the answer to a question, they could dare and send it over to the other team. And if that team didn't know it, they could double dare it back to the original team. And the point of the dare is that the people answering the dare could get double the money. Right. But if they 
didn't get the question correct, the money would then go to the other it team. It goes to the other team, yeah. So then if they do double dare, then the money, I think, triples. It triples. And, and they can either answer. Or they can take a physical challenge. Yes. Which is like some kind of a game um, or physical exercise that they have to do as a team. And they have to, you know, do so many. We'll talk about some of the ones we saw. Yeah. But they can either answer the question or do a physical challenge. If they win the physical challenge, it's just as good as answering the question correctly. Right. Um, if they do not, it's just like, it's like losing the question and they lose the money. Exactly. Um, so they had that. And then at the end of two rounds of that, the team with the most money or the most points um, would then move on to... <clears throat> Would then move on to the obstacle course. Yes. Where they would have eight different stations that the kids would have to go to. And we'll talk about that as well because each each week the stations changed a little bit. Yeah, and they but, changed order. But they brought back a lot of the same favorites. Yes. So they kind of used them in combination, sometimes added new ones in. But yeah. yeah. And what I liked about this is that in a lot of game shows you have to like, you know, the team has to go through the whole obstacle course to get get a prize. Here, there was different levels of prizes at every station. So if you got through, say, six out of the eight, you won six prizes still. Now, yeah. the bigger prize was at the end, but it still gave kids a chance to walk go home with something. Yeah, that was fun. And we're going to talk about that in our memories because there's another game show that was set up in a similar way that I kind of want to talk about. Okay. Because um, I don't think people remember. <laughs> That's a great summary, Steve. Let's get into the history. So Nickelodeon's Double Dare. They're looking for programming and they have different sponsors for different shows, right? So here's what basically happens is that Nabisco came to Nickelodeon and they were like, we're looking to sponsor a show. We want to do something for kids, but we don't want it to be animated. So they said to the people at Nickelodeon, "Let's. what about a game show? You guys don't have any of those yet, uh-huh. right? And they were like, that's actually a great idea. That's kind of a segment of the kid market that we haven't tapped into because we don't have any game shows. And then somebody came up with this idea, and this was kind of like the linchpin of it working. And they said, wouldn't it be fun if you made a Rube Goldberg machine but with a person instead of a ball? <laughs> Which is hilarious because this is the third thing we've seen with a Rube Goldberg yes. machine. But I didn't even realize kind of that's what it and was. And that's kind of what it is because the uh, person is going yes. through them. Yeah. So if you don't know what a Rube Goldberg machine is, it's creating a complicated, funny, fun way to do something simple. Yeah, so, overcomplicating it basically. Overcomplicating. So usually it, it has some sort of mechanism where you set one thing off and that sets off a second action and that sets off a third like in the beginning of back to the future they have like a ball drops down and it hits a car the car hits a pencil the pencil drops into a cup the cup goes down and then it opens the can opener to feed einstein the dog yes. right um or the the, the game mousetrap right where when he, when he could he could have just as easily he could have, he could have just as easily opened a can and poured it in. Yeah, and it would have been much simpler than this right. whole. That's the whole Rube Goldberg. Yeah, that's situation. the whole idea. So then, what they said is, we can't just have that be the whole thing. 
right? Mm -hmm. So they were like, what if it's like 40% games, 50% Jeopardy, 10% production value. So the hype and having the kids in the Mm -hmm. audience screaming out, that kind of thing. So that's why they came up with dare double dare physical challenge so it's not just people asking trivia questions like a kid's version of jeopardy Mm -hmm. right and it's not just crazy game 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 where you can't really follow what's going on right they also decided to have the money at stake so that there would be stakes because Mm -hmm. otherwise why do you care if somebody fills up a bucket in a physical challenge and technically they won and now they go on to the next level but there's no Right. There's nothing there, right? Then we have the idea of making it messy. Yes. And that came kind of out of two things. The first was just practical stuff. What can we do for a dare? Like, it had to be something good for the physical challenge portion of it. So when they started coming up with ideas of what kids would like for dares, a lot of them were messy. Yeah. The second thing is that um, there is some slime involved in this, and that came out of the show You Can't Do That on Television, which was, like, the original Nickelodeon show, right? And um, they kind of wanted to keep that up, that this is, again, a space for kids, with little parental involvement. The way we talked about with Salute Your Shorts. Yeah. Last time. So then it came to picking a host. And they were like desperate. They almost didn't find someone. They went through thousands of tapes. Like thousands of tapes. And then they find Mark Summers. And he's a magician. Like he was in the actual like magician's league. Okay. So the reason that they said he worked, he's not doing magic on the show. Right. But the reason that they said he worked was because as a magician, he was like a good magician and apparently making a living at it, which a lot of them don't. Right, right. (laughs) But he could connect to both adults and kids. He has showmanship a little bit. Yeah, he he has some showmanship. His stage presence. But he also um, has a problem that he talked about on the Oprah Winfrey show in 1997. And that is that Mark Summers has OCD. Oh. So he says, if you watch the first, and they they film a lot of these boom, 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 right in a row, as we know, right? So he goes, if you watch the first, like, 30 or so episodes of Double Dare, I just stand there in a suit. I don't get any, like, the kids are covered in whipped cream, and I'm kind of, like, apart. And they basically kind of came up to him, and they were like, you're going to have to participate more. Like, you're going to have to get dirty here. And so he said later that in some ways the OCD stuff was blown out of proportion. But he said, I dealt with what I dealt with. I wasn't going to let my OCD screw up the opportunity to host the kind of show I always wanted to host. Yes, I have it. Yes, I lived through it. But I didn't let it affect the show in any way, shape, or form. So he kind of, like, had to push through and get help for it and, like, just do it. Right. And just get in there. Um, And they said one of the important things for them was that they didn't want to, if they were, especially with the trivia section, they didn't want to embarrass the kids and they didn't want to punish the kids. Right. Because if you watch real Jeopardy, when you get an answer wrong, it takes money away. Right. So they didn't do that here. And they made sure, too, that the losing team, they got prizes anyway. They still get the money they won, right? They get, like, a second place prize right. kind of thing. 
Which I think is is nice because, again, you're making a space for kids, right? And a show for kids. So, so yeah, that's a little bit of um, the history. The show initially, um, some of the stuff apparently was kind of a disaster as they were figuring it out. They were like, are young people going to want to slide into a vat of baked beans? <laughs> Like, things like that. Or are they going to want to slide down into a pool of, like, whipped cream and ice cream and hot fudge? Right. And they were, this is my favorite part from reading all these articles. This is my favorite quote. There wasn't a precedent set for that kind of thing, necessarily. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no precedent at all. Um, so they they did six or seven shows a, uh, a day. Wow. That's why there's so many episodes and they would show them like, you know, every day basically. Yeah, the original C series I think had 460 something episodes, which is also typical of what they do for an adult game show as well. Like they they run through those, you know, pretty quickly. Um 482. 482 in just the original series. Just the original series, yep. Yeah, and it ran from 86 to 93. So, so seven years. Seven years, but 482 episodes. Yeah. Like, in in terms of, like, um, when you have a show on primetime TV, if it, we've talked about this before, if it hits around 100, it goes into syndication. Right. If it gets 200, they usually have some kind of a crazy celebration for it, because not many shows do that. Like, Cheers is a show that did that. Yeah. Maybe Big Bang Theory might have hit that number, but there aren't that many. So to have like double that amount. They were, I mean, they had, you know, they were averaging 70 shows or so a season. That's crazy. And so they started in 86. In 88, they went into syndication. Right. Yeah. So the second year out of their seven year run. Yeah. Um, And, and, um then they had after that point i think it was after they had family double dare right which i also enjoyed a lot so family double dare a little bit different there some i think you had four people typically probably a mom dad and then yeah i think i don't think it was just a parent and a child i think it was four against four and then they had family challenges and sometimes i think there were challenges just for the kids okay but Mostly it was like the entire family competing together. And then, and we did, um, they had an ill-fated Double Dare 2000, which I don't think had Mark Summers in it. And then they also had another one in 2018. Yeah. And I think, we'll talk about that one too briefly, because we did watch an episode of it. My assumption is that that one got canceled because of the pandemic. It's possible. It was 2018 through 2019. Yeah. And it had 67 episodes. Right. So still pretty good. Yeah, it's still not a bad... It's actually not a bad run, especially for a show that was just on for like one or two seasons. Yes. But um, I, I'm guessing that with the physical aspect and the way that people had to interact, that they probably couldn't do it during the pandemic. Probably not. And then it probably just kind of got dropped. Yeah. But this is on one of the... Um, the lists always for like Nickelodeon shows, but a lot of times 
in like the best of lists, it gets left off because it was a game show. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people remember it. And when we uh, come back from our break, we will talk about our memories. Hey, everyone. Nick here from the S1E1 podcast. Each week, we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we may know about the future run of that series, decide if it's a show that we want to greenlight or cancel. We very seriously dissect TV shows for no reason at all. I gotta pee. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> old timey. Ah, I got a Frankenstein on my show. You should about? know because right now you're dressed like a London DJ. <laughs> 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 Moving forward, unless there's anything else depressing about my life you want to bring up. That's impressive to find that many bad shows. Who's Boner? I don't even know what a Banksy is. Catch us each week wherever you listen to podcasts and visit us at s1e1pod.com for links to everywhere you can find us. All right, everybody, we're back. My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. In case this is your first time listening to us, you just love Double Dare, you thought you'd tune in. You might have been thrown off because we sound so amazing, because we have our brand new Blue Yeti microphone. Yes, we're very excited We've about upgraded, it. guys. We upgraded. This is actually our second upgrade. <laughs> but this is the big leagues now. This is a fancy looking microphone. Now we have a real studio. We just have to figure out some of the acoustics with our new microphone. <laughs> but that's all right. At least we're coming in clear and uh, we don't have some of the static issues that we were having before. So hopefully... Um, It'll be memorable. And our voices don't annoy you with this microphone. Yeah. But hopefully it's amazing and memorable. And speaking of memorable, what are your memories... It's of Double a, Dare. That's called a, that's called a transition. It's called a segue, yeah. <laughs> um, so Sarah talked to me about how they had cable and they want that's what they wanted to watch, like when their friends would come over, we'd go over after school sometimes, and we'd watch this show. I also believe so we lived outside of Buffalo and pretty close if you don't know and you're not from there niagara falls is fairly close to buffalo so a lot of our tv shows growing up as kids were on canadian stations because we had antenna and it would pick up from ontario um which is why in my opinion a lot of people from buffalo sound like they're Canadian sometimes um, because we, if you're exposed to that, you kind of get the accent a tiny bit. Yeah. And just, there, just cross the bridge, eh? Yes. And there are shows that we're going to talk about like later in this podcast, not today, obviously, but in other episodes that I remember that Steve does not because they are Canadian. Because <laughs> I didn't live in a part of New York that got Canadian TV. Which is weird, though, because you live by Montreal. Not really. It's a good three hours, at least, to Montreal from where I grew yeah. up. Yeah. And um, Niagara Falls is, from where I grew up, 20 minutes yeah. to the border. Really. I got, like, the just normal stations. Like, a normal, red-blooded American. <laughs> Apologies to our listeners in Canada, the UK, Iran, Korea, Brazil. We have people all over the world listening to this show. They're not just from the U.S., um, but yeah, so shows like Raccoons, Babar, um, love it, love it. And, um, so a lot of times, um, shows from Nickelodeon would sometimes be on Canadian TV. I don't really know why. It's possible that they just had Canadian production company. 
And so they just showed. And it's also possible that Nickelodeon might not have been in Canada as a network. So maybe once things were in syndication, they sold them to Canadian stations just in syndication. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Um, But Tim loved this show. I love this show. I just thought it was a lot of fun. But surprisingly, we've already talked about the format. I did not remember the trivia at all. I remember that they would yell physical challenge and I remembered the physical challenges and I definitely remember the obstacle course at the end, the Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. But I didn't remember the trivia. So when we watched it, I was like, oh, there's trivia questions. (laughs) I just totally forgot. I will also, um, I will also say that this, I, I just wanted to be on this show so bad. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted, and what ended up happening, I don't know if... Don't know. You and your brother were of the right age. You probably could have been yeah, on Yeah, we probably could have been, especially the family one. But, you I, you know, most of those people are, like, living in California. Yeah, probably. Or they go to, um, they do, like, we did later on, Tim and I did a studio tour, and then we, we uh, they had free tickets for different shows, and we got to see a show being taped live. Yeah, I think, actually, that they, they took kids from all over, because the first episode that we'll talk about in a little bit, one of the teams is from Canada. Yeah, that's true, they are, but I think that they were probably, like, they're, they're visiting California, or right. in California. But um, the other thing that I remember coming out of this is two things that I think were inspired by this show. The first is that around this time, a little after the show aired, I don't know if you had any of these, but we had some playgrounds that were being like put in or built or refurbished. And many of them had a thing you had to climb up or a thing you had to slide down that was like made of rollers. Okay. Like metal rollers. Yes. Now, on the one playground... There was gravel under this, and eventually the gravel got stuck between the rollers. They didn't really roll So they anymore. didn't roll anymore. But, but um, yeah, little metal rollers to kind of go up or slide down. And then also, one of the playgrounds had these big foam rollers that you kind of went in between. And we saw that on one of these episodes. Yes. Like huge foam rollers that a kid would just go in between and they kind of get the other kid had to turn the knob to get the rollers and that's what was at this playground you had to like turn a crank and the rollers would move and you'd go through kind of like a like it's like a pasta maker yeah or i was gonna say an old-fashioned like wash ringer yeah um and the second thing is again i think inspired by this show that um Science museums, we had, I think at the Buffalo Science Museum, they had a grossology. Um, <laughs> you know how science museums have like rotating exhibits? Right, right. They had a grossology exhibit. And I went with my Aunt Smitty and, and Tim and my cousins may have been there um, with us. But I know she was there. She took us to stuff like that all the time. And they had like a big, huge nose that you could... Like put your hand up it, and then, and then they had a thing that was supposed to look like a nasal cavity that you would climb through, and then they had like uh like a throat that you would like crawl through and things like that, and like 
So similar touch, to some of the things we saw on the show. Yeah, and I think that probably both of those things, the park and the and the grossology exhibit, people watch Double Dare and they're like, oh, kids love being grossed out. What if we could teach them about the human body by having a nose like that that yeah. they could kind of pick? And it wasn't... They didn't have it like quite like Double Dare with the slime, but you reached up your hand and you pulled out like a thing that would be like a... Um, magnetic thing that was made of wood and it was a looked like a booger and then it okay. would tell you like what boogers are made of. <laughs> okay. Like you learn biology, right? All right. Um, so both of those are just really cool and I think it's interesting how um, one of the things that I read about this show is that there were a lot of young people working at Nickelodeon at the time and they compared it to the early days of Saturday Night Live that not many people are paying attention. And so because of that, they're trying to do kind of innovative stuff. Right. And they become innovative and then they kind of inspire other people. And I think that's so nice because now if you watch things like Nickelodeon, kids programming is so slick. Right. And this, <clears throat> when we get into the episodes, this definitely wasn't, especially the early episodes right. of this. So, yeah, what are your memories? So, I remember Double Dare quite a bit. I remember watching, like, it was on, like, every day. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, every weekday, pretty much, you could come on, I, like, after school, afternoon time, you could come home and watch Double Dare on TV, you know? And so, it was a great thing, and I remember watching it pretty much most, almost every day, especially in, like, 86, 87, 80, when it first came out. You know, I watched it a lot. Um, and so it was, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I liked the fact that, you know, there was physical challenges. Kind of like you said, I did remember there being a trivia piece. Okay. But I will say this. My memory, the obstacle course was a lot more of the show. Mm-hmm. Where when we watch this, it's literally 60 seconds. Yeah. At the very end. So it's not like most of the shows, the trivia questions and, and some physical challenges, which I remember those as well. But it's just, it's funny how you remember, like, the big flashy stuff. And and I thought that was a lot more of the show. Yeah, it's a 90-second challenge at the end. He does take some time to explain it, but you would think it would be, like, the big. Yeah, and I remember thinking, like, oh, like, I remember, like, they had to dig through, like, pizza. Yes. Or ice cream, like, huge giant ice cream sundaes, like, all this kind of stuff, right? I remember that as being a big piece of it, too. And then I watched it, and I'm like... That wasn't a real pizza. Like, a lot of that's foam, and well, they just threw some liquid on top. I'm like, it's cool still, but it's not. When I, when I was, was a kid, I was like, that's a huge piece of pizza. Yeah, the pizza wasn't the... The I, pancakes were also not... No, I think the... Well, yeah, they the, were I foam don't know. pieces. <laughs> but they put a lot of, like, their syrup you're, and a lot of goop on them. You're ruining my childhood. And you I, watched the same show I did. No, but I did I'm very upset about this. Now, let me ask you this, because I don't remember us doing any of this, but you and your brothers were more physically active. Right. Did you do try to, like, recreate any of these? Because I could see that happening with, like, Kevin being No, because Kevin and Bill were younger. Yeah. So they weren't really, they weren't really, I didn't have Nickelodeon there. Oh, okay. I only had it at my mom's house. Right. Where it was just me. And, and like I said, it came out in 86. Kevin would have been two. Like, he was way too young 
Yeah, but it went till ninety three. But and we then weren't it watching it by then. Oh, okay. And even then, when when I did when I was there, we didn't have Nickelodeon. Right. So it was one of those things that we weren't watching by the time I watched it in its first three or four years, probably. Because I was gonna say when it first came out, Tim was four, but I don't think we watched it when he was four and I was eight. Yeah. I think we watched it when he was like seven or eight yeah. and I was like 10, 11. Yeah, when I it first, that's about when it first came out, I was nine or 10, which right. is the perfect age for this show. Yeah, that's true. Right. And so, I mean, yeah. I really love Double Dare. I didn't, I don't know if I remembered, I don't really remember the fact that it was mostly all kids in the audience, which struck me when we rewatched it. Yeah. And what's interesting is that it's when they fully pull out at different points, the parents are all Further back. For, they're on the other side of yeah. the... So the parents are there, but they're not being the shown The closest section is all kids. Right. So it's like a game show for kids, with kids watching. Like, it's all... Yeah. Ki- yeah. And, and Mark Summers is just the only adult holding this whole crazy thing together, which just makes me laugh. I didn't mention, too, Mark Summers is on some other really great shows after this. Wrapped. Uh-huh. Um, or unwrapped. Unwrapped. I love unwrapped. Yeah, how stuff is made, how candies and stuff are yeah, made. Yeah, and then he's done a few other things in addition. So he's had a pretty good career of being a host and, you know, all of that. Yep. So let's get into our full review and our, recap. Our full review. So this is going to be a little different because it's a game show. Yeah, but but I have to say, we were initially just going to talk about kids' game shows in general. But I, I have quite a few notes from both episodes. <laughs> but then when we watch these episodes... We watched the first episode. We Yeah, we watched the very first episode. And then we skipped to, like, episode 86. Right, which we which seems like a lot, but it was really, like, the second season. <laughs> yeah, and then we skipped to episode 151. Yeah, I didn't take as much notes on the last one, because I think we jumped to it just to see if it we, changed we a lot. We wanted to just... There was something in the final challenge obstacle course that i wanted specifically to see yeah so i just tried to find a couple episodes but yeah um but it changed so much from episode one to 86 because you can tell you know a lot of times with the pilot they're still kind of retooling things but with this pilot too they probably did the pilot and five other shows that same day um so my first my first note is this is so fast and loud for the it pilot. was, but you know it's interesting <laughs> because it, it opened up and we had two teams of kids, of course. Yeah, we had Chris and Becky who were the Raiders because mm-hmm. the kids got to choose their own team. Yeah, their name. And then Lisa and Neil who were the Mets. It's funny they both went with sports teams names, which does not stay. It's no, not it like doesn't. all of them do that. But you can also tell that the casting for this was really interesting to me because. Did you notice anything about these kids right off the bat? Besides, they have one girl, one boy on each team. No, what? They look totally like normal kids. They have, they have Becky who plays field hockey. Yeah, and she has kind of frizzy '80s hair. Mm-hmm. On the other team, they have Lisa and Neil, and she likes tap and jazz, and he likes soccer, and he's like just riding my bike around. They're answering things in normal kid ways. When you have a show, because this is kind of the same thing we talked about with Salute Your Shorts. When you have a show on Disney, 
those kids are polished. Oh, well, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, they, they can sing, they can dance, they could, they probably have acting experience, or, or at least they've been trained. Right, and yes. even on a lot of shows today, even if it's a kid's game show, a lot of those kids who are on there are like, want to be actors. Mm. So they're doing anything to get on their, like, to get seen. Yeah, so to these get were amateur agent. kids. These are amateur yeah. kids, and they look like amateur kids, but they also, the show has energy, but some of these kids really didn't. Especially episode one. That's what I'm talking about. I'm only talking about yeah, episode one but right now. This is the other hilarious thing, now that you say that, right, is that it's the first episode, so these kids haven't seen the show before, yes. right? And so we mentioned before in rounds one and two, there's the quest, the trivia section, and they can either answer or dare, double dare, physical challenge. And a lot of what becomes popular is physical challenge, right? right? Round one, none of them dare. They all just answer the questions. Yes. And Mark Summers and everybody's like, okay. like They just haven't gotten the idea of and, what's going on. And he even says to them, you can dare. You don't have to answer. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to try to answer. And the And they question. take an ad break between rounds, and then in round two, they do a few. They do two physical challenges. But it's like somebody went up to him and was like, "You know, you guys can do this." Yeah, I think that they had to like go and explain the game again. Yeah, I don't think that they kind of got it. It's also that again, casting wise, if you were doing this today. You would get, and these are very sporty kids. Right. They all play sports so that they're up for the challenge. But today you would have kids who are like, you'd make sure they're like gung-ho. And if they play truth or dare, they're taking the dare every time. Like yes. that kind of thing. Oh my gosh. But they asked the one kid, what do you like to do for fun? And he goes, I don't know. I play soccer and I like, I ride my bike around. Yeah, and Mark Summers is like, "Well, that's great. Riding your bike is super." Like he's yeah, trying, he's to, trying to push it. it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it was so funny to me. So yeah, they have like four questions and answers where nobody dares or double dares or does a no. physical challenge. At so all. round two, though, twice there's a dare, double dare, physical challenge, which is still not a lot compared to later episodes. But the first physical challenge we see is they bring out this like five gallon food grade bucket and the kids have to dig through cereal for a toy and there's milk in the cereal yeah they have to find and he pour mark summers makes a big show of pouring the milk on the cereal because he's like now here's the cereal you have to dig through and the kids are like okay and then he goes and he turns the kid kids in the audience he goes what about if I poured some milk on here? Yeah. And then he starts pouring and then he pulls out like a full jug. Yeah. And he's like, what if I just dump this whole thing? And of course the kids in the audience go crazy. And he's like, there's five different toys. You have to find like the special colored one. Yeah. And you only have 30 seconds. And then I was like, oh, and then like the kids have to jump in. Right. Yeah. And this part, what was interesting again, watching the pilot as opposed to later, everything's smaller. Like, later on, they would have a huge, like, not just a five-gallon, but, like, a 20-gallon a or a 50-gallon right. bucket. Yeah, here right? it was kind of little. Yeah, and um, I think that they realized production value-wise that, that 10%, they had to... They had to boost it up boost a little it up bit. Boost it up a bit. Um, I also learned that they... That Louisiana Purchase cost $15 million. Yeah, that's true. that was one, that of, the was one of the questions. The second physical challenge they had was... One of one of the kids 
strapped a hat onto their head with a with a bowl, yes. a clear like glass bowl. And then the other partner had to stand like 15 feet away and throw eggs to try to get eggs in the bowl. Yeah. Right? Uncooked eggs, of course, so that they crack and splatter. Yeah. But they had to get two eggs in the bowl. And <laughs> Wait, wouldn't it be hilarious if they're just chucking hard boiled eggs? That would be hilarious because the kids don't know it. And so they're like freaking out. Um, but it, it, it was tough, I think. And that was actually one where the two teams competed. No. So, yeah, in between... So, we forgot to mention, before round one started, they have a quick physical challenge between both teams to see who gets control of the board. Um, And that was very fast. Right. And then, before round two, they had another physical challenge, both teams, to see who gets control of the board, where the girls were hula hooping and the boys were throwing water balloons and they had to get them inside the hula hoop. That's right. Yes. Um, They also have the podiums where they're standing one team against the other um, and Mark Summers in the middle but I forgot the podiums have huge towels hanging off both ends so that the kids kids can can dry dry off off and clean up. So this this, the one thing about the egg the egg hat bowl challenge was the girl wearing the hat didn't realize that the the bowl was pitched kind of to the back. Yeah. So she wasn't giving, she wasn't making it like even to catch the eggs. So she kept getting hit in the forehead with eggs, which was hilarious, <laughs> right? Was hilarious. Especially the, probably the kids sitting there, but this poor girl's just not And Finally, they got one or two, but it was because they cracked on the side. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was kind of funny. And then, so we come to the end of round two mm-hmm. and here's the part where they talk about all the sponsors they the one team dominated. It was three hundred and seventy to fifty, and the kids because they're not related split the money. So Mark Summers to the losers go. Well, hey, that's twenty five bucks each. That's more than you guys walked in with today. And I'm sorry. I know that it's nineteen eighty six money, but it's yeah. still just hilarious. Good job, kids. Um. But then, okay. They, they also got to take home. This is the part where you and I were laughing hysterically. Their consolation prizes, they each got green slime shampoo. Nickelodeon themed. Why the, that's our, our rating yes. system. Right? Green slime shampoo, which you know, we talked about before, green slime was you can't do that on television. Yeah. So you know, they're like, what can we give the kids that lose? They're like, we got a bunch of cases of this green slime shampoo laying around, like in Nickelodeon Studios. You know, I... And then... Wait, I convinced my mom to buy that one time. Oh my goodness. And it's like swim shampoo. It's regular gel shampoo. It's just colored. And then also, they each got to take home a case of sugar babies. (laughs) Which I'm going to go out on a limb now that you've told us the history and say is Nabisco? Yes. And so, and also Sugar Daddies, which we had, oh, we had a long time ago. Yeah, we had those. What is Flight of the Navigator, our episode? Yeah. If you want to hear about the history of Sugar Daddies and Sugar Babies, go back and listen to that. But yeah, um, a whole case. And then, um, and, and I was just dying of laughter. And the reason is, so this is, I forgot to mention this in the memories. Okay. So, first of all... Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are still on TV now, right? Mm -hmm. They're totally different now than they were in the 80s. With Wheel of Fortune, they used to have, in between each round, they had a wheel of prizes that was a huge stage, and it was called the, the Home Showcase. And you would spend the money that you got 
from that round on the home showcase. And sometimes there would be things on the wheel that you could win from the home showcase. Okay. So they'd go, okay, now on the home showcase, we're in the living room round. And then Vanna White would walk around and show you like a t- a color TV, <laughs> a big um, a big leather recliner. And you could buy, you'd be like, oh, I've been wanting a dining room table. Well, Marge, that dining room table is $600 and you've got 700 so you can pick one more thing. Yeah. Like that. It's like the adult equivalent of being at the ticket counter in like an arcade where you're like, I have 60 tickets. What yes. can I get? Yes. So it reminded me of how they have the obstacle course set up where there are prizes like that at the end of every round. But the other thing is that my mom and I have this running joke because we used to watch Jeopardy. And at the end of Jeopardy in the 80s, the contestants didn't did not get the money. Now they do, right? right. If if you get 500, you go home with 500. <laughs> they go, and our consolation prizes and for years it was Lee Press on Nails. <laughs> that must have been like sponsoring Jeopardy. Right. But they go, "All right, Mark, that's okay. You get a consolation prize." And Alex Trebek would be like, "Johnny, tell him." And then he'd be like, your consolation prize is from Lee Press on Nails. And it's like, but Lee Press on Nails are like $5. Yeah. So the consolation... And also, you just gave it to Mark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the consolation prize is here of the shampoo and the sugar babies. I love it. It's, it was pretty hilarious. And also a whole case of sugar babies. It's so A gross. whole case, yeah. And sugar daddies, which you and I had. They took... That sugar daddy took me like five days to eat. I, like, saved it in the fridge. Yeah, that's I why I didn't like it, because it takes too long. <laughs> My point is, you have a whole case of them. A whole case is a lifetime supply of sugar daddies. Pro- I mean, you're talking... Yeah, because candy don't come in, like, a case of 24. I know. It's, like, however many they cram in that case. Yeah, it was crazy. It's just so funny to me. So, so then they move... Right. The, the winning team moves on, and the winning team in this case was Lisa and Neil. Yes. And they move on to... The obstacle course. The ultimate, most fun thing for a kid to do. But I think if you're Lisa or Neil, nerve-wracking as hell. Mark Summers starts off by walking Lisa and Neil around and pointing out the obstacle course and what they have to do. Now, the great thing here, too, is you don't choose one person. They have to alternate pieces of the Yeah, it's a relay race. It's a relay race, right? So the first section of the obstacle course for the first episode of Double Dare was the sewer shootout. Yeah. And it was a big sewer pipe with, like, green, like, fun slime stuff that they had to fight, shoot through, and then grab the flag to pass on. Yeah, so you have to, in this game, you have to grab the flag with one hand, switch it to the other hand, and then give it to your teammate. And then teammate. give it to your teammate. And here, um, the prize for the sewer shoot, this was the best, because we are just talking about this the other day. A Garfield phone. A Garfield phone, yeah. We talked about it with our last bonus, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. 
so jealous of anybody who had Harvey, the announcer, makes a point of going, it works just like any other regular phone. Anywhere you can plug it in a regular phone, you can plug in your Garfield phone. I know, and it's great because, you know, we don't have phone jacks anymore, really. No. Um, Our house doesn't even have that option. It doesn't have phone jacks because nobody has a landline anymore. But I can see why you would explain because parents might see that and be like, oh, it's like a play phone. You can't plug it in for real. No, no, Karen. You can use this phone right in your kitchen. Yeah. It's not a play phone. It's a real phone. It's a real phone. So then they run to trunk full of clothes. But that's not what they called it, Steve. They called it customs inspection. Which <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> what was hilarious is that that can be a very innocuous thing or it can be kind of dark. Because it is an old trunk like you're going... Like, you're immigrating. Yes. <laughs> now you're at customs inspection. So they had to whip open this trunk footlocker thing and dig through all these clothes. And somewhere, like, in the clothes was a flag. I and I, I remember looking at it and going, this is episode one, I guess. Because this doesn't look, like, as challenging of a thing. But it kind of was because it could be anywhere in the clothes. Well, but also that I think the point is they don't want to have a messy thing every single time. Right. And they do want to have a few that I think they had eight. They have about eight seconds per thing. Yeah, it's eight. There's eight things in 60 seconds. So less than less eight than seconds. Less than eight seconds. I thought it was 90 seconds, but you're right. It is 60. I've got that in my notes. Because so, I remember saying, I don't know. I could barely run around that studio in 60 seconds, much less stop and do events. Well, that's the thing. So some of them have to be a little easier because you've just crawled through right. slime in a sewer. But, but here's the... I, I don't know if I can do this without... Like, so I'm what about, did they win if they grabbed the flag at customs inspection? They won. They won Conair Hot Rollers... And hairstyling products like a hair dryer and curly iron. Now, I have to tell you, I kind of was, like, obsessed with these Conair rollers. They're 10 and 11. I was that age, too. But they were steam rollers, the ones I had. And I was convinced that that would make my hair beautiful. Because my hair (laughs) has got natural curl, but not the pretty kind. (laughs) And But here's the thing. It is a boy and a girl, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, Neil and Lisa, you can win some hot rollers. I'm sorry, what is Neil going to do with hot rollers? He's got a he little... He to his mom. He's got a little bull haircut. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So once they win their hot rollers, um, they go to the third event, which is the tire swing. Yes. And they ba- it's basically just like it sounds, but they have to... Grab it at one end, swing a swing across like probably an eight or nine foot air section, and grab the flag which is up in the air by swinging on the top. And they can't touch the ground. Right, and they have to grab the flag and then jump off and hand it off. And if they grab that flag, Megan, what do they win? They win a new skateboard. There you go. Yes, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's 1986. That is how they announced all of these. Yes. By the way, every single one was exactly like I just did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was pretty cool. And um, then they have, okay, we have what I think of as the downfall of this obstacle course. 
The human hamster wheel. And the reason for that is because this was on a couple of the episodes we watched, and it takes forever. You it's cannot a time do sink. that. It, it is a time sink. You can't do it in eight seconds. Yeah. It, because it's not like they jump on and just whip it. It's got weight to it, and you can tell that they really have to struggle to get this thing moving. And some of these kids are seven years old with these little chicken bone yeah. legs. They can't do it. They have to run around this, oh, the one girl's shoes came off. And Mark Summers like, keep going. He's like, just keep going. Like, you don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, they have to go. They have to rotate it like a few rotations to get an arm to drop with the flag. Yeah. And what do they win on this one, Steve? They win a new typewriter. Yes, they do. A glorious typewriter that will last you a lifetime. No, it no, won't. No, because <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're about eight or nine years from the computer. The, the home computer age where everyone has The home computer it. is kind of already a deal, but... But the, everyone has the, them. Everyone, the everyone has them in about two years from the starting point of this show. <laughs> oh my God, a new typewriter. Okay, then we come to a balloon tank. Yes. What was that? It was, it was this huge, like, probably 14 foot long by six or seven feet wide and four feet tall box that was full of balloons. And right. they had to jump in at one end, crawl, go the whole distance, and in the middle they had to grab the flag and hand it off. It's kind of like a ball pit. It's like a balloons. ball pit with balloons, yes. This I actually thought was a legit good what could they win if they made it through the balloon? $250 gift card to Toys R Us. Yeah, that's legit. That is, because in the 80s, that's a lot of money. You could legit, you could go through, because this is the days we've talk, talked about where, like, G.I. Joe's and, like, oh, yeah. were, the, and Transformers and stuff were, like, three, four bucks a you piece. Know, my Little Pony was, too. You know how many My Little Pony you oh, could yeah, get Oh, yeah, you that? could clean house with $250. <laughs> you could get 125 My Little yeah, Pony. Yeah, it's awesome, right? <laughs> so then... Once you've done that, you move on to the icy trike. Now, at this point, Lisa, I think that's her name, right? Lisa? Mm -hmm. Lisa has no shoes. She has no shoes on because she left them in the hamster wheel. And she jumps on this tricycle and has to pedal it like eight feet down down this little road. You don't pedal it. You have to use your feet on the ice yeah and there's no ice it's actually like a black oil no i think it was ice because you could see her footprints they call it icy trike because it's slippery but it's like a liquid it's like a goo that makes it slippery because they can't have real ice also they're not expecting her at this point to be barefoot but that's just what happens it's what happened your first episode so this poor this poor girl is like nine years old she's gotta do this i'm sorry so, so funny. What, ha- what does she win for doing the icy trike in her socks? <laughs> Not her dignity, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she lost her dignity back at the hamster wheel. <laughs> she wins, and this is my favorite, oh, my favorite part of all of this. She wins a new color TV. And they specify that it's in color. Uh, cool. Yeah, because we take for granted now that all TVs are color. Well, and you know, we talked about this with Field of Dreams, that we had a small TV that was black and white. At this, to take with us in the car. Yeah. And so I'd never seen that movie in color. But this is a thing that color TVs still cost more right up until the 90s. Oh, yeah. I had a TV in my bedroom is an early teen. So we're talking... 89, 90, 91. Yeah. And that was a huge deal. And my friends were like, you got a TV in your room? Mm -hmm. And it was black and white. 
Yeah. It was probably like a 18-inch TV, maybe, and it was black and white, but it was a big deal. I could watch things on, like, the normal cable, uh, like, the normal five or six channels. Right. But still, most pe- a lot of people didn't have their own TV. No, I didn't, and we had um, the black and white TV that we took to California with us. I forgot to tell you this, that because of that trip, the the input for the antenna kind of got messed up because we were in the car for like weeks. Right. So when we brought it home, it sat in our kitchen and we could watch it when we were making dinner or when we were cleaning up. So it was like a little treat that if we helped clean up or we helped make dinner, we could watch TV. TV. And sometimes we would, once in a while, like if my dad wasn't home or if my mom wasn't home, we would watch TV during dinner, but usually not. Mm. But we ended up, because we still had antenna, we had to put a fork in it. So (laughs) as I'm talking about it right now, I totally forgot of this. I have this vision of on the corner, this little black and white TV with a fork sticking out of it. (laughs) I want to say to my parents were both teachers, like they didn't get paid great, especially in the eighties, but they they did okay. (laughs) Like we had this TV with a fork sticking out of it. At any rate, this is an old UHF VHF. Like, it has the big dials on it. Yeah. This is the TV that the kids are winning. So then Lisa hands it off to Neil, who has to do the wall climb, which is basically just like it sounds. Yeah. He climbs up and over the wall and forgets to grab the flag. So then he has to jump up and up and grab it again to hand off to her. What does he win for getting the flag? He wins a VCR. To go with the TV. To go with the color TV. Which the is color TV. The color TV, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a pretty good game. No black and white Field of Dreams for Neil and Lisa. <laughs> no, no fork in the TV <laughs> for them. Here's the thing. Um, what comes next? I want to go ahead and explain and then I'll talk so about the prize. the last event. That they did not do. In the obstacle course is Under the Covers. Yep. And it is this large, probably 10 foot long by 8 foot wide bed. It's a water bed. Water bed on the floor, tucked in tight with covers, except for the head and the foot. So they have to go in one side, crawl under the tucked in covers, find the flag, and come out the other side. Kind of another time suck as well, because they're not allowed to toss the covers off. They have to, and they are like, it is like hospital And and Lisa makes it into the feet of the bed, but that's when the time runs out. So they don't get, what did they miss out on as a prize? They would have won a Disney vacation. Son of a gun. So here's what I'm totally confused about. That I guess maybe at this point, Nickelodeon and Disney, I think of them as competitors. Yeah. But they had fully, they would have won a four-person Disney vacation, but they were they were doing these like six a day. So they had the potential to be giving away 12 vacations, four people each. But the potential. With that said, out of the three episodes we watched, how many people finished? Nobody finished. Nobody got that last one. Because 60 seconds is ridiculously fast. Here, they had a shot except for Neil on the stupid wall climb. I know. Neil, it's Neil's fault that they didn't no, get a I Disney vacation. No, I don't think so. I actually, when you look at the time, it's the hamster wheel. The hamster wheel as well. Kind the of hamster took them wheel out. stole their time and Lisa's dignity. <laughs> and her shoes. <laughs> And a Disney vacation. All I can think of is glory when all the men want her shoes. It's like, oh my God. And in my notes, I put, got everything but Disney. Sad face. 
But still, this was pretty, like I said, I was pretty impressed by it. It was really cool. It, it doesn't take a long time. But, you know, the, the, the kids in the audience loved this section. You can tell that the kids are having, it's stressful, but they're having fun. Yeah. Right? And I really did like the fact that they still got some pretty cool prizes. I also enjoyed, and we'll talk about episode 86 in a minute, and then we'll talk really quickly about 151 and the new one. Um, my other enjoyment watching this show is that the trivia at this point is meant for kids, but now it's like 80s pop culture trivia. Right. So, for example, they ask questions like, they did have the Louisiana Purchase in the first episode, but most of them are like, what's Pee Wee Herman's real name? Who won Super Bowl Twenty? Um, what does the, the phrase gung-ho mean? Yes. Together, right? So it's things like that that I, it, it was kind of fun. We kind of ended up like playing along, even though we didn't really anticipate doing that. Yeah. So it was kind of fun. So episode 86, a lot different by this point. Yeah. This time we have two new teams. We have Eli and Rachel and we have Dana and Ryan. Yes. And Mark Summers comes out and he's got a kid and we're like, is that his kid? We're like, why does he have a baby on well, his that's arm? That's just Jill. Or a toddler. She, he says she's the next man away and then he goes, hey mom, you want to come get her? And one of the moms comes out of the audience and he gives her back to the mom. It's just like he was probably entertaining them and they started rolling and he, he was like, yeah, let's do a thing where this little kid is with me or yeah. whatever. It was kind of cute. Yeah, it was neat. He probably was carousing with the audience a little bit. You yeah. Know. Um... And then we have this team, and again, they name themselves. And I do not understand their team name, and it's probably some in-joke that they probably don't even remember. And that is Bone and Biscuits. Yeah, I don't know either. But you can tell now that they're really taking naming your team to... They're not doing sports teams anymore. No, and the kids are a lot more energetic. So he's like, hey, where are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from Michigan, and I do this and this and this. They're not... Again, they're not polished. They're real kids. Right. But they have more energy. Well, they've had 85 episodes to watch other kids do it I know, yeah. Yeah. And they they probably got it. They've seen the first season. They're really excited. They're they're glad to be there. Um, They had some fun challenges. They They had more, too. Yeah. This time they actually was five dares passed around. Mm -hmm. Two of them, one or the other team, answered the question on a dare and got double points. But then there was three physical challenges still in the first two rounds. And they are bigger. Yes. By this point as well. So, for example, they have to stand, like, butt to butt, which is embarrassing because these kids do not know each other. Yeah, they're not brother-sister, right? And they're, they're just not, friends. I don't think I think they so. know each other. I think they're friends, no, but I don't think the they're... No, the new one, they knew each other and they were friends. Here, I think oh, okay. they just randomly paired kids up. Wow. And they have to stand kind of butt to butt and carry a ball over and drop it in a basket, which I put... That's a camp game I played. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have to... Um, okay, this was... They have to sink boats, and they have to keep the boats sunk for 30 seconds. Yes. The boats are in a huge trough. Yeah, full of water. Yeah, full of water. And clearly the idea is that you're supposed to pretty much get in this trough and keep them down. And I will say... That one of the people on the team did their job, and the other person did not. Yeah, Eli really goes in hard. Yeah. And he pushes every, like, he, he grabs half the boats, and he's got, like, his arms on him, his whole stomach, his whole chest on him, he's pushing them, and he's almost face down in the water. 
Rachel... He's pretty much looks like he's bobbing for apples. Rachel wants to, but again, you're dealing with kids, and right now, kind of adolescent kids. Yeah. And Rachel is, you could tell, is a bit hesitant to put her chest in the water. Yeah. But she's trying to keep her arms on everything. It probably would have been the same. But also, Rachel, it's double dare. Get in that trough, Rachel! (laughs) Get in the (laughs) game. And I probably would have been the same at 12. Like, I feel awkward. I don't want to get in the trough or mess up my hair. Get in the game, Rachel. Get it together. Um, So they have that. They also have a really cool um, thing where they have to work together. They each have almost a hula hoop-like thing put around their waist. It's like a belt. It's like a belt. There's a stick in between them. There's a ball on a string on the stick. And they have to move their hips to get the ball to to get the string to wrap around the stick. Yes. I thought that was a fun game. That was cool, yeah. And the stick is like it's they're like eight feet apart. Like they really have to kind of move to get this ball the the, the ball on the string to get centrifugal force to, yeah, to get it going. I will say too, what I liked about this is that the obstacle course is like goals. Right. Every kid wants to do it. But a lot of these games, like I said, I played one of these at camp. Yeah. You could do these as fun party games or camp games or like church youth group kind of games, you know? Um, Then we have also mini golf into their shoe. So one person's hitting the ball and the other person's trying to capture it in the ball in their shoe. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of fun. They, they go through the first two trivia things One and one of the teams loses. This time they go, the team that loses had like $210. So they each get like $105. Yeah, it was a closer which game. Is, it, which is pretty good in the 80s. For <laughs> you're a kid and you go home with 100 bucks, But they also still get two consolation prizes. Okay, now listen. They have the green slime shampoo. Of course. That's a given. But what they get, I have to tell you guys, I Googled this. I could not find it except listed as a consolation (laughs) for Double Dare. I kid you not. And what that is, is it's electronic jewelry. It's a necklace called Nectunes. And it's an FM radio. But so, a necklace. But a necklace. It looks like plastic beads, but there's somehow wiring inside them, and it picks up FM station. Yeah. So somewhere in there, probably in the back, clasp mm-hmm. is a battery, and you flip it on, and you can wear, you can wear it while you listen to your greatest tunes. Which actually, now that I think of it, if you didn't have a Walkman back then, and then later on, um, an iPod, and then later on a phone, right. If you wanted to work out, it was really kind of a pain in the butt. But you could do your Jane Fonda aerobics wearing this necklace. Yeah. Or your get in shape girl too. You have to carry around a big boom box. I was a little bit chunky as a kid, like I am now. And um, one of my relatives was like, that girl needs to work out more. And they gave me get in shape girl. Which is like aerobics equipment for little chubby Like toys, girls. yeah. It's toys, but it's like, hey, you're a little chubby. Get in shape, girl. And it's a, it was a cassette and um, it came, there were like rhythm and ribbons and there was another one that was like a baton, but it had exercises that you did before the workout and after the workout. Did and that's it, how my eating disorder did, started. <laughs> the next year, did you get her... Get a midlife crisis, girl. <laughs> Shut up. Get a get a divorce attorney. <laughs> also, I was really 
active as a kid. I just also liked cake. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, you can do Jane Fonda. You can do Richard Simmons. You can wear your Nectunes. We get to the obstacle course. All right. So the first obstacle They've is moved. under the covers. Yep. They've moved under the covers from the end to the beginning. The bane of our existence last Horrible. episode. Now it's the first one. Still not great because it's a bit of a time sink. And what's hilarious is... If you win this, you get a Walkman. So the poor losers just the went The poor losers with went with the Nicktoons. Now you get a Walkman. Um, then we have a rope climb. Yep. Again with the Con Air. If you, if you get the rope climb, Con Air products. Yes. Then... Foam pit. The foam pit, but also there's whipped cream in there. Yeah, it's the same... It's the same big glass box as the balloon pit was. Right. But they filled it with pieces of foam and whipped cream in the middle. If you do gymnastics, this this is what you often fall into as a yes. kid. They have a big foam pit, but this one has whipped cream in it too. And here, we only got $150 to Toys R Us. That's because it's an earlier event. That's true. Yep, 100, but but also, 150, to- 150 bucks for Toys R Us is still nothing to shake a stick at. If Toys R Us still existed and somebody gave me 20 bucks for Toys R Us, I would be saying. excited. Then <laughs> so, we went to the Slime Canal. Which was a little bit like the sewer... But it was like three sewer pipes. Yeah, and this was the time suck here because yeah. they had there was space in between the sewer pipes, so you couldn't just go through one straight, and it also curved, so you had to really kind of climb from one to the other. Yeah. But if you went through, you got a bike. A bike. A That's brand a new great... bike is an awesome. That's an awesome prize. Um. Then we went to the sand buried flag. Yeah, and you're just digging through sand to find the flag. Yeah, it was this big thing of sand with a little fake um, blow-up palm tree, which is where the flag was. It was under the palm right. tree. Which Mark Summers didn't tell the kid it was under the palm tree, but he, he kind of said you can check it. under. He was like, you can check under you can that move palm those. tree. Yeah, yeah, he like hinted and at it. And what did they win for that? Suzuki. <laughs> I can't. Suzuki Omnicord. Picture a keytar. But without the keys, just with buttons that make sounds. And that's what this is. Am I wrong? You're laughing. Here's the thing. So in middle school, we had this music teacher who was obsessed with electronic music. And he was convinced that electronic music was going to replace regular instruments. And he wanted everybody to learn keyboard. He had all these electronic. This is the kind of thing that he would have loved. Because he felt like eventually and he's not wrong but he felt like you would be able to fully recreate like the sound of a trumpet with a keyboard um i feel like we've come close so it's not the same but it just yeah it just made me laugh so after their omnicord music okay the sunday slide this was one of my favorite things watching this show as a kid Mm -hmm. because the idea as i said i was chubby (laughs) The idea that you could slide through an enormous ice cream sundae. Like, that's the dream. Yeah. (laughs) That's the dream. And super messy, so the kids all liked it. And... And a color TV. You got a color TV. Again, a color TV. Right. Um, Pretty much same one. Yeah. Um, And then, number seven in the, the list is, it's in the mail. Right, so I don't think the kids got to this. I, they got to the Sunday slide, but they didn't get to seven or eight. 
No, they they actually oh, got they through the mail. Seven. I'm sorry. They finished the. They you had to open up the front of the mail postage box. Jump through. Jump through. Grab the flag and hand it off. So it was like you were mailing yourself. Oh, and also, if you handed Mark one of the envelopes that was in the mail with you, then somebody in the audience got a gift card. Yeah, which is kind of neat. That's kind of fun. Um, and they did that too. So what did they win? They won the VCR. Because it's right after the color TV. Because it's right after the color TV. you got to have a VCR. Now, this is interesting because their final thing is the dreaded hamster wheel. Damn human hamster wheel. Horrible. And they got about one foot in it when the time ran out. It's too hard to turn, honestly. And for little kids that age. Yeah, it's I mean, tough. even if you watch Price is Right, it's even hard for adults sometimes to spin that wheel. It so is. think about being inside that wheel yeah. trying to and, run. And these two kids were a little smaller. Yeah, they were. Um, they did not, however, lose the Disney vacation. But they would have won the race car. They would have won a race car. I don't think they got a Disney vacation. They didn't. That's why I'm saying they. It wasn't oh, Disney vacation yeah. this time. It was like a little. It was like a race, like a go kart race. Yeah, car. it was still sponsored by Disney. So they mention the sponsored by Disney and considerations from Disney, which I think means that Disney might have paid for, like, hotels for the people who were on the yeah. show or something. I don't know. I, I did not look up this stat, but I would be very interested to find out how many teams actually finished the whole Oh, I would, course. too, 100%. Because most of them got to the same point, like, right at the beginning. They started the last thing and just ran out yeah. of time. Yeah, so... Episode 151, I'm just going to run through real quick. Go for it. Hamster wheel. Yep. Number one off the bat. Stupid hamster wheel. Oh, wait. Also, the people who lost got the home game of Double Dare. Oh, yeah. That was better. And a Coca-Cola watch. Yeah. But also a graphing calculator. Yeah. And that sounds like a crappy prize, but if you went through school in the 90s, it was not. It was Those like 80, 90 bucks for that. They calculator. were super expensive, yeah. Um, so, Hamster Wheel, and they got a WordWiz dictionary and word games on it, which, if you ever had that, it was like a little handheld thing. I had one. Mm -hmm. Of course I did, because I was a nerd. But you could type a word into it to check your spelling or to find the definition. It was okay. like a little, um, it was about the size of a phone. Cool. Um, was it cool? I don't think that's the right word <laughs> for it. I'm just trying to make you feel better, sweetie. Then we come to my very favorite game besides the Sunday slide, and that is Pick It. Pick your nose. Where they had a nose with green slime up it. You had to pick through it to find and grab the flag. And for doing that, they won a metal detector, which as a kid, I That's wanted cool. one so bad. It, this is the thing, too. They didn't just have to pick the nose. They had to go up to, like, your shoulder in that thing. Yeah, big time. Like, you had to put your whole arm up in that slimy nose. Listen, you can pick your friends. You can pick your nose. You can't pick your friend's nose, but you can on Double Dare. That's and that's true. why you get shoulder deep in that thing. Then we have the Sunday slide. And here, Mark Summers goes, there's also tapioca pudding on top of that ice cream. I don't know why. I wouldn't want to eat it that way, but that's how it is on this game. Moving on. Yeah. I'm like, why is there tapioca? I mean, my guess is that they ran out of whipped cream. Yeah. But I just thought that was hilarious. Um, so pick it, the metal detector, Sunday slide, telescope, and binoculars. That's also That's cool. neat. A thing where they had to dig through breakfast cereal where they got a new bike. Um, and then a thing called the tank. This was my favorite also. They get board games for the family, including Mastermind, Topple, Dizzy Dinosaur, 
and a game called Therapy. <laughs> now, you guys, I had to look up this game, and I almost bought it on eBay. I probably will, and then maybe we can play it on this podcast as a bonus <laughs> episode. I want to play this game so bad. You go through life, and you get different like traumas and then you have to work them out in therapy wow and you get like cards saying who like who wants to play that as 10 or 11 year old no but i want to play it so bad at 42 i want to play this game more than anything all right then we have a game called dallas where again they're going through sewer pipes except instead of oil it's chocolate which I thought was hilarious because kids do kids know Dallas? I don't think they I do. Um, for that, they got six hundred dollars for KB Toys. That was cool. Shut your beautiful this face. This is where KB Toys was trying to outgun Toys Listen, R Us. KB Toys stepped it up, and I give them props for it. Then we have the Pizza Dig. As Steve said, it's not a real pizza. Unfortunately, it's kind of like foam and bits. For that, they win a Magnavox word processor and printer. Now, the word processor that they're talking about is like a typewriter, but with it, a little It's screen. a digital typewriter is basically all it is, yeah. Oh, I love it. Magnavox, you tr- you did trying. They were like, what's this stuff IBM's doing? Let's try. They're like, this Apple IBM nonsense is, is going to be, it's for the birds. It's never going to take off. <laughs> never going to take off. Let's People just want to type stuff and be done with it. Nobody wants to play these stupid games like Oregon Trail. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last one is Teeth into Corn, where there are giant teeth and things like that. And they would have won Space Camp. Yeah, and they they got again to the teeth. They got it to the teeth, and they did not space make it. camp as cool as anything. Space, I wanted to go to space camp so bad. We have to watch that movie sometime. Oh, it was. Oh man, space camp is like every kid's dream. I feel like so that was Double Dare. We did watch the 2018. Yep. I kind of liked the 2018. It, I felt it kind of held up. Still, I mean, listen, the only it had a different host. A younger girl and then Mark Summers was there like doing the announcing. Yes. I didn't think they needed her, but I will say... I think they probably had her because she was a lot more involved in the games. Well, this is the thing that Mark Summers has had some bouts of cancer and he also, um, I think, was in a pretty severe car accident at one point. And it's 30 years later. I mean, he's not a young... He's not a spring chicken anymore. I think he's 72. Yeah. Let me tell you, no. Uh, Mark Summers is a silver fox. Oh, Megan. (laughs) I don't want to offend you. Cover your ears. No, I'm not. So. <laughs> so anyway. So let's talk a little bit reception. about the reception. All right. This was kind of a cool fact. Within a month of its premiere, back in 1986, Double Dare had more than tripled viewership for Nickelodeon's afternoon schedule. Wow. Yeah. During Double Dare's first year, the program averaged a 3.0 Nielsen rating. Wow, okay. With over one million households tuned in each week. That's amazing for something that came on in the afternoon, by the way. Yeah. On on its syndication debut in 1988, it had a 5.4 Nielsen rating among kids 2 to 11, which mm. is, that was the second highest rated syndicated program in the demographic. Wow. What was the first, does it say? It doesn't. No, All it right. didn't say. That's okay. Um, and by January of 89 in syndication... They were averaging 3.1 as a Nielsen rating, just average, which yeah. is still a really good rating, right? Um, which is also probably why Disney pulled out at that point, and then yeah. they had to go to space camp. Family Double Dare premiered on a Sunday mm-hmm. on Fox okay. in 1988, 
Um, and so it ran concurrently. Yep, and yeah. it, it scored a 4.0 on the Nielsen ratings and finished fifth out of ten programs that were on Fox that week. Okay. So pretty good, especially for a kid's show, right? Yeah. Um, and so that went fairly well. The 2018 revival that we mentioned mm-hmm. was watched by 1.8 million viewers on its premiere. Okay. Um, and it outperformed all other shows on Nickelodeon for that day. Wow. Um, and it finished as the highest rated broadcast for teenagers 12 to 17. So that's interesting, too, because we did notice that the kids were a tiny bit older. That is something we noticed. Yeah. As- we also noticed that the one kid who made it to the final challenge, the teammate was really running, and he was like, I'm going to walk this. Yeah. <laughs> the episode we happened to watch. At its, at its peak, Double Dare was the highest rated live action show for children, 8 to 15. Okay. And it was also, interestingly enough, popular with college students. Well, that I And get- many colleges offered a Double Dare fan club. Well... <laughs> But that I get because a college is a perfect place to, like, in the quad, set up kind of some challenges like Double Dare would have. Plus, college kids, especially college kids who may be experimenting with some stuff, just like to sit around and watch kids get messy. They do, (laughs) but they also, like, I could see that as, like, a freshman orientation. Like, I've run a couple of those. That's the kind of thing we would do during freshman orientation. Yeah. Like who's who's willing to get messy? Who who wants to like go down the banana split slide or whatever? Yeah, it was uh, critically received. You know, by critics, most critics had very favorable things to say about Double Dare. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chicago Tribune, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Orange County Register—they all basically said, you know, to kind of just wrap them up. They basically all said that it was natural, wholesome, infectious. You know, family fun, messy. And I think part of the naturalness is because they didn't have kids who wanted to be actors. They just had kids who wanted to be on Double Dare. Yeah. It's not like today we're like to promote their YouTube channel and right. then they'll try to be a little baby influencer, you know? The only real critical review mm. that came from it was there was a few groups or people that that basically said that they were concerned that it wasn't an educational show and they were concerned about the food waste. But I disagree with the educational part because the trivia questions actually were pretty good. Some of them are. And what they ended up doing, we also, I didn't mention this, but in some of the later episodes, they had deliberately hard questions that nobody could answer to kind of force the kids to, to force do the, the, dares, the physical yeah. challenges. But also, this is the thing that I appreciate about Nickelodeon. You don't have to have a message. You don't have to be educational. I'm not saying for kids to watch brainless TV all the time. But I think, like, look, this isn't Sesame Street. The kid's been in school all day. They, like, when you're an adult, you don't want to come home from a hard day at work and learn something. Yeah. That's why the History Channel mostly has, like, stuff about World War II and aliens. Yeah. Because you know what I mean? And mermaids or whatever. Like, a lot of times you're too tired to do that. And so are kids. They've been in school all day. They want to let off steam and just be kids. Yeah. Um, So that's how the critics felt about it. How did we feel about it? So we're rating out of green slime shampoo bottles. Okay, listen. We're in the middle of a cycle right now. Uh We have just watched My Little Pony. 
and salute your shorts. And coming up later this week is Camp Nowhere. Camp Nowhere. I don't want to ruin the ratings for all of those, but we didn't have a great week in terms of us taping these shows. We did not. And then we came to Double Dare, and uh, My Little Pony has already aired, so I will just say, I won't tell you my rating out of 10 for that, but I will say it did ruin my childhood. This had the opposite effect of My Little Pony. When I watched this, I felt like I was a kid again. I was rooting for the teams. I was like, come on, Levi, go faster. Yeah, I was invested. I was really invested. The trivia was so much fun. The the dares were fun. The challenges were fun. I legitimately, if we didn't have other stuff to do and it wasn't by the time we finished watching like 1030 at night, I probably would have watched four or five more episodes. Yeah. I'm not saying I can binge watch this because they're very similar, but I would probably go back and watch some more. And if... I were you know we always ask if would we show this to a kid would we let a kid watch this I think kids today would love it yeah I think you could show them the original and they would still love the original I think so they too. might be like what the hell are they winning a Garfield phone or what's the difference between a color TV and not a color TV some of the prizes they can't relate to but I think they would enjoy the show um I'm between I'm I'm really high on this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a nine. Okay. I'm going to go with nine out of ten. All right. So I I liked it. I thought it was fun. It was competitive. It was energetic. I did like the trivia questions. I really liked the obstacle course. I mm-hmm. liked the fact that they changed it all the time. My only criticism is I think that they were too hard at the obstacle course. Yeah. 60 seconds just wasn't enough. Like, I understand you don't want to give out, like, a ton of Disney prizes, but maybe, you know, instead of 60 seconds, you give them 65, because it, it almost becomes unattainable if not a lot of people can. Yeah, it was a little. At least half the people should be able to, to win. It was a little too much. Um, or give them, either give them 65 seconds or give them the 60 seconds, but maybe have seven instead of eight events. Or six, yeah. You know, yeah. because it was just that little bit. I think at least a few more teams could have won and it, it kind of drives people. Yeah, I think if they had had eight things in 70 seconds, mm-hmm. not everybody would have, because a couple teams that we saw later got up to like the fifth thing. Yes. Um. So. The other thing that I will agree with as a positive note and I, I didn't touch on this in the in the reception in the criticism, but a number of crit, of critics mentioned on a positive note for Double Dare that really the secret ingredient to this show's popularity was Mark Summers, big time. I his, didn't mention his him. His personality. He just was fun. He, you, he's likable. You know, maybe it's that magician in him. I don't know. Well, it's also what good game show hosts do is they facilitate and they have charisma, but they don't try to make it about them. Yeah, he didn't overshadow what was going on. Yeah, he was great. So I'm going to give it nine. Yeah. I'm going to give it nine out of ten green slime shampoo bottles. This is, let me tell you, this is a big hit. This hits all the nostalgia buttons. It is sentimental, but in a fun way. Love it. So. Yeah. Nine.
nine green slime, slime shampoo bottles. <laughs> we can't. We can't read You it. almost had it. So... Nine green slime shampoo bottles. Out of ten. Nine out of ten for the show. Four and a half out of five for the snack. This was a good week. Yeah. Sour Patch Kids and Double Dare. I have to say, Sarah, I love you like a sister. And uh, also, Lindsay, your actual sister. I don't think she listens to this. But I do have great memories of this show. I'm so glad that you recommended it because... We did not have this on our original list. No, we didn't. This is a show that, again, because it's a game show, it kind of got pushed by the wayside. Yeah. And um, yeah, great, so. great recommendation, Sarah. Thank you. I care for you like a cousin of a wife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that means a lot to her. Yeah. Um. So, coming up, we have Camp Nowhere. After that, we start our cycle again, and we are going to visit a very old childhood classic, and that is Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo! We're going to be watching the original, and so that is what's coming up. We hope to see you guys then. Until then, I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everybody. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks.